Then it happens after 2016 gives us Trump as president, who during the election made fun of Obama's red lines that he allowed our enemies to cross with impunity. Trump starts laying down some red lines of his own. The first and biggest move he makes was pulling out of the JCPOA or the Iran deal. Therefore, I am announcing today that the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. In a few moments, I will sign a presidential memorandum to begin reinstating U.S. nuclear sanctions on the Iranian regime. In 2018, he tweets to Iran, to Iranian President Rouhani, this is all caps from here on, never ever threaten the United States again or you will suffer consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. Three days later in 2018, Trump meets with Putin to talk about Iran. This is reportedly where Trump asked Putin not to sell Iran the S-400 anti-air system. A short time after that tweet, Salami threatens the U.S. in a video where he calls Trump a gambler or something. I would play the audio, but it is in another language. But as you guessed, the video is linked on the timeline on the website. By September of 2018, Iranian-backed militias in Iraq have picked up their attacks against the U.S. forces and our embassy. Nikki Haley spelled out the situation and explained the consequences in a U.N. Security Council meeting that same year. But if there is one country that is the source of conflict and instability in the Middle East, one country that merits a quarterly debate in the Security Council, that country is not Israel, it's Iran. For almost 40 years, the Iranian regime has existed outside the community of law-abiding nations. It is difficult to name a conflict in the Middle East that does not have Iran's fingerprints on it. The Iranian regime has backed dictators who gas their own people. It stokes conflict. It funds foreign fighters and terrorists. It transfers missiles to militants. It acts against the interests and policies of this Security Council time and time again. Across the Middle East, Iran has trampled on the sovereignty of its neighbors in Lebanon, in Syria, in Yemen. And the Iranian regime has shown a total disregard of the sovereignty of a country that is at a critical stage in its political development, Iraq. She even goes on to explain the Quds Corridor. In fact, the motives of the Mullahs are much less elevated. They are interested in power. In the case of Iraq, their goal is to exploit uncertainty in order to create an Iranian-controlled corridor for weapons and fighters from Tehran to the Mediterranean. She just doesn't have a cool name for it like I do. She doesn't stop there. Remember, this is in 2018. She then goes on to call out Salami by name. In Iranian general and head of the IRGC Quds Force, Soleimani, is leading an effort to influence the composition of a new Iraqi government. She kind of understates the whole control of the government because they've had that since 2010. But as she continues, she makes a very clear statement. This is important coming up to 2020. 
We hold the Iranian regime fully accountable for its proxies attacks on U.S. facilities and personnel in Iraq. And we will not hesitate to vigorously defend American lives. Remember, she said, we hold Iran accountable for their proxies. Who controls the proxies outside of Iran? Who did she mention in this little speech? This is where the timeline becomes important because while the mainstream media wants you to believe that the Trump administration did not have a strategy or a plan for the region, this timeline shows you how they carefully laid out what they were going to do. It's almost in a legal way how they went to the UN and they made statements and they warned of the consequences. The Twitter back and forth just really made it official. Then we come to April of 2019. The U.S. names the IRGC a terrorist group. In May of that year, Iran begins attacking oil tankers, and they start off with a Saudi oil tanker. Remember, Iran is Shia, and Saudi Arabia is Sunni. They don't like each other. If you remember the previous year, Trump meets with Putin to stop the sale of missile systems to Iran. Here in 2019, in May, Russia officially refuses to sell the S-400 to Iran. 2019 also sees a massive uptick in drugs coming from Iran and flowing into Iraq. Remember, drugs are typically used to fund wars covertly. Then in June, Iran attacks more oil tankers in the Strait of Hormuz. About a week later, Iran shoots down a U.S. drone over the Strait of Hormuz. A month later, the U.S. takes down an Iranian drone. They don't shoot it down. They take it down with an interesting device. It is a jammer mounted on top of an ATV. Expect to hear more about these types of events. The drone went down because it was not autonomous or semi-autonomous. Without controls from base camp, it can't do anything. So the drone went down. In the future, remote-operated vehicles are going to be semi-autonomous in the least to avoid these situations. All the device had to do was blast frequencies in specific ranges and find one that affected the drone. In Iraq, they developed a device that would do a similar thing. It would blast a signal and jam frequencies to prevent remote detonated IEDs. Typically, the remotes were cell phones. About three weeks after the drone is shot down, Iran does a missile strike on the Saudi refinery. And yes, everyone finally agreed that it wasn't struck from Yemen. It was struck from Iran. Then an F-22 foiled an, an Iranian F-4 trying to take down a U.S. drone. The link is in the timeline, and I highly suggest you read it. It's very interesting. This event is important as well because the F-22 is a stealth aircraft. It is the most stealthy aircraft in the world. We have sold F-35s that have a stealth version to Israel. 
Israel claims to have flown these F-35s in and around Iran's airspace and over major cities. This F-22 is better than that. In the story, the F-22 gets really close to this F-4 and it has no clue that is there. This information will come into play after Salami is killed. So just remember that. We have extremely advanced stealth airplane technology that Iran cannot detect if it is right beside it. In October of 2019, Trump orders Operation Kayla Mueller to take down al-Baghdadi and a dog named Conan gets injured. Now, if you remember earlier, I went into a little bit about a Kayla Mueller being captured and then reportedly being sold to al-Baghdadi. So there is a little bit of irony in this operation that takes down and kills al-Baghdadi being named after her. Also remember, al-Baghdadi was part of ISIS, so he was a Sunni member. In the Sunni ISIS regions, anywhere ISIS controls northern Iraq, Syria, and then down in Libya, the slave trade is extremely active. And when I say slave trade, I don't mean slaves to work in the fields and do stuff like that. I mean women are sold into slavery. And if you know Islam well enough, you know that Muhammad liked his women really really young. We're talking in the 12-year-old range. So that is the same type of quote-unquote women that these ISIS fighters like. They like them really, really young, 10, 12, or younger. Don't get mad at me. Those are the facts. Have an extra kid in Africa, you sell them to slavery, and the people in Libya, the ISIS militants, will buy them. And you can imagine what happens to the women who are sold as slaves. This is Islam in 2020. On December 31st, 2019, the U.S. Embassy in Iraq was attacked by Iranian-backed rebels. This is significant. Iranian-backed rebels, remember, who controls all of the Shia forces outside of Iran? If they're Iranian-backed, they're Shia, and they're controlled by Mr. Salami. He controls these forces. They attacked our embassy. Trump has went through multiple avenues of warning to threats to the UN, every measure, and warned and, and restrained himself and then warned again. And when action is taken, you'll watch the MSM sit there and say, Trump doesn't know what he's doing. There's no plan. He's just flying off the cuff and killing random people. But you see this timeline, you see how there was a pretty meticulous plan to allow Iran to provoke to a point where the U.S. would respond. Immediately after the attack, Trump gets on Twitter and says, Iran will be held fully responsible for lives lost or damage incurred at any of our facilities. They will pay a very, all caps, big price. This is not a warning. It is a threat. Happy New Year. And so Iran responded on Twitter and no, I am not making that up. Khomeini responded, That guy has tweeted that we see Iran responsible for the events in Baghdad, and we will respond to Iran. First, you can't do anything. Second, if you were logical, which you are not, you'd see that your crimes in Iraq, Afghanistan, dot dot dot, have made nations hate you. Then it happens, January 2nd, 2020, Soleimani, along with the Iraqi PMF leader, are killed with a drone strike. Trump 
tweets out an American flag. That's it. No words, just the stars and stripes. What most people aren't aware of is that same day, the U.S. tried to do a drone strike on a Iranian financier in Yemen, but they missed. Soleimani was once quoted as saying, If that friend, he's referring to Allah, allows my blood to be shed, I am gladly willing to give my life up for him. Well, you're welcome. While Salami's timeline ends there, this timeline keeps going because the events after got interesting. There was talk of World War III and some other things you may have missed. A few days after the drone strike, there was a funeral for Salami. At the funeral, 55 people were trampled in a stampede. Then Iran fires missiles at an Iraqi base with U.S. troops in it. That same night... Iran shoots down a Ukrainian passenger jet. The shooting down of the Ukrainian passenger jet triggers protest inside of Iran that say down with the rulers and yay U.S. Now let's pause here and look at the events around the Ukrainian jet downing. Iran initially said they did not shoot down the jet. The MSM wants to blame Trump for what happened to the jet. Iran then jumps on that story and says, yeah, Trump, it's Trump's fault that the jet went down. We thought it was an enemy airplane coming to bomb us. Now let's go back to the F-22 incident. If a U.S. jet was going to bomb them, they would not see it. Furthermore, passenger jets have radio beacons on them. There are websites you can go to and you can look at passenger traffic all over the globe and you can see where a plane is in pretty much general real time. Also, you can pull this information with a simple antenna hooked to your computer and a program that can interpret that information. That information is beamed out to everyone so that everyone knows what that thing in the air is flying. This information tells us that either Iran is completely lying or they're completely incompetent in a stressful situation. If we go back to 2019, when Iran shot down the U.S. drone, almost immediately after they attacked oil tankers in the vicinity, this same pattern happens with the Ukrainian airliner. They attack the base in Iraq and they shoot down an airliner. Also, if you look at the missile attack on the base, it reminds us of Iran massing on the border with Afghanistan and then shooting mortars into Afghanistan at nothing and then backing off the border and never attacking. Can you imagine a regime like this with a nuclear weapon? After all this, the King of Jordan is interviewed and he gives us some rather startling information about the region. Uh, I think my major concern in the discussions I will be having in Europe is that we have seen over the past um, year um, the re-establishment and rise of ISIS not only in southern um, eastern Syria but also in western Iraq. So if there is um, a split in Iraqi society as there is today, and I know that the leaders of Iraq are, are making sure that that is overcome, um, we have to deal with the re-emergence of ISIS. Um, and that is going to create a problem for Baghdad, and we need to be there to step in and help the Iraqis deal with that threat, which is a threat to all of us, not only in the region, but also to Europe and the rest of the world. Well, obviously, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you must have noticed that ISIS hailed uh, the killing of uh, Qasem Soleimani as, quote-unquote, divine intervention. Uh he doesn't just mention it in passing. 
he brings it up again to reinforce the issue that ISIS is coming back. Keeping in mind that there's still a second part of Syria, which is the war against ISIS, which I've just mentioned earlier, is back on the rise again. He continues on and confirms Trump's claim that Iranian-backed Shia militias were making plans to attack more and more targets in the region. You need to understand the Jordanian intelligence network to understand the importance of this information because the Jordanian intelligence network is extremely robust. They know a lot of things that go on in that area. So when they're telling you that they are hearing about Iranian plans to attack, then you need to be careful. Jordan was on a higher threat level than normal because of the information that they were receiving. Once again, that whole interview is linked on the timeline on the website. The timeline continues and history unfolds before our eyes.